In just a moment, we're going to be listening to this week's training for the Healthy Discipleship Community. And if you're not familiar with the Healthy Discipleship Community, I'd invite you to stop by HealthyDiscipleshipCommunity.com, and you can find out more information about becoming part of it. Uh, Also, I'd invite you to stop by DesireJesus.com if you'd like to learn more about uh, my main ministry and some of the resources that I have available there. You can see some of the content that I have there. But you could also see where you can sign up to be part of my email list. And typically what I do is I send out a link to join us for these training events live. And if you'd like to be part of them, you just have to join the email list, and I'll be happy to send that link your way and uh, invite you to be part of the training we do for the Healthy Discipleship Community. And we have these get-togethers from time to time as we discuss what Scripture says, and we try to apply it to our day-to-day lives. So here's this week's training, and again, if you'd like to learn more, just visit HealthyDiscipleshipCommunity.com. Well, good evening, and welcome to this evening's training session of the Healthy Discipleship Community. We're glad you're able to join us. And this evening, we're going to be looking at the second half of James chapter 3, and we're going to be talking about wisdom, specifically wisdom from above. That's what James talks about in this portion of Scripture, and uh, hopefully you'll find this encouraging and you'll find it helpful in your walk. I think one of the things that many of us enjoy immensely about the book of James is just how practical it is. And uh, you'll notice as we're going through James chapter 3, the second half here, that uh, it's immensely practical, just like the other portions of James certainly are. And he also has a knack for bringing to light some spiritual realities that are taking place behind the uh, some of the practical things that he brings up and, and uh, helps us to wrestle with. So we're, again, we're going to be talking about wisdom from above. We're going to be looking at James chapter 3, starting with verse 13, and uh, we'll work our way right to the end of the chapter. Now, just a, a few initial thoughts before we dig into the Scripture. First of all, the things that we value are demonstrated by the fruit that comes out of our lives. So the things that you value, the things that I value, you can tell what those things are by the fruit that comes out of our life. Uh, the things that that you can see in my life are going to give you indicators of what I'm prioritizing. And if we value godliness, that's something we'll display. It's going to come out in our actions. It's going to come out in how we treat one another. It'll come out in how we use our words. We actually talked about that the last time we were looking at the book of James. Um, If we value worldliness, we're also going to display that as well. It's going to come out in a variety of ways. It'll become very obvious that that's what we value. So whether we value godliness or worldliness, that will be displayed in our lives. God wants us to desire, to seek, and to demonstrate his wisdom. And we see that in the book of James. We see that elsewhere in Scripture as well. In fact, right now on Sunday mornings, I've been preaching through the book of Proverbs. And when you go through the book of Proverbs, one of the things you can see is that the Lord truly does want us to experience wisdom and display wisdom and desire it. And he makes it available to us And uh, Scripture also makes it abundantly clear that apart from a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, we will never obtain the true wisdom that the Lord wants us to have, which means that by default, we will latch on to worldliness. If we don't trust in Christ, if we don't walk with Christ, we will by default latch on to worldliness. That's our default state. 
So God wants us to seek and desire his wisdom, and he, he makes it available to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, the wisdom from above is profitable in all areas of life, and you're going to see that as we dig through this second part of James chapter 3. God's wisdom is profitable in all areas. It's a blessing to our individual lives. It's a blessing to those that we come in contact with. Uh, and, and one of the verses that we'll be looking at in James chapter 3 talks about the fact that a great harvest of godliness is produced through the application of the wisdom of God. And notice what I what I mentioned there, the application of the wisdom of God. The Lord, as He blesses us with His wisdom, as He reveals wisdom to us, as He gives us wisdom as a gift, He's not just trying to increase our knowledge. He's not just trying to increase what, what fills our mind or what fills our, our thoughts, although that's certainly part of it. But He also wants us to do something with this. He wants us to apply His wisdom. He wants us to live it out in our day-to-day lives. And so that's what we have the opportunity to do. Now, let me jump us into James chapter 3, and we're going to look at this a section at a time. We're going to be thinking about some of the concepts that are brought up here in this portion of Scripture. But I'm going to start us off just by looking at verse 13 of James chapter 3, and I'll tell you ahead of time what I believe is demonstrated here. I think in James 3.13, we're shown that wisdom looks like power under control. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, in verse 13, it says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, I'm going to read that verse again. Again, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So here you have James throwing out this question. He, he wants to know, all right, who among you would claim to be wise? Who among you would claim to have understanding? I think a lot of times when we're interacting with people, at times we, we uh, come across people who think they are wise, and uh, sometimes Scripture refers to those people as being wise in their own eyes or wise in their own estimation. And so James is kind of throwing out this challenge, saying, all right, do you think you're wise? Who is wise and understanding among you? Is that what you think of yourself? And he, he says, Let, let's, let's show you what that actually looks like. If you truly are wise, it's going to be demonstrated in very specific ways. And one of the things that he emphasizes here is the fact that he says, by his good conduct. So someone displaying godly conduct, the fruit of genuine faith in Jesus Christ, that's how they will demonstrate that they truly possess the wisdom of God. They will demonstrate that by their conduct, the way they carry themselves, the way they treat other people, the way they interact with other people, the things they prioritize, the things they value, the things they devote themselves to. By his good conduct, he will show whether or not he is wise and understanding. And he says this, he says uh, the full sentence is, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, I, I mentioned just a moment ago that I think in James 3.13, we're being told that wisdom looks like power under control. And the reason that I'm phrasing it that way is because of that last half of the sentence that James says, where he says, uh, in the meekness of wisdom. He describes, you know, he says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. That is a phrase that I think puzzles people. I think if you were to describe somebody as meek, 
most people would immediately think that you're describing somebody as being weak or frail or not strong. But that's not what Scripture is referring to when it uses the term meek. When it's talking about meekness, it's talking about something very different. It's talking about this idea of power that you keep under control. It's uh, it, it's it's kind of like, um, you know, sometimes I, I, I think about this when I watch the ways in which animals interact with human beings. I believe that the Lord has put the fear of, of mankind in the animals, and so they behave a certain way, certain way around us. And um, I was watching a video the other day of uh, a man who actually uh, trains and, and just has, I guess, as a pet, uh, grizzly bears. He has more than one. At least there was more than one in the video. And uh, he was petting the bear and scratching behind its ears. So could you imagine sitting in a caged area with a giant grizzly bear? And it's got the long claws. It's got all that stuff. And he's, he's just he's petting it. And uh, the bear didn't want him to go. And the man had a uh, like a thick Carhartt jacket on. And the bear bit the jacket, but not to hurt the man. He just bit the jacket to kind of pull the guy toward himself because the bear was kind of itching his head on the guy and, and doing all sorts of things. And it was enjoying the attention that it was receiving from, from this caregiver. And that's what Scripture is referring to when it talks about meekness. It's not saying you're weak. It actually says you have great power, but you're keeping it under control. And so when James here is talking about the fact that a, that a person who is truly wise and understanding, when he says, um, you know, they'll show that by their good conduct, they'll show that uh, in their works and in the meekness of wisdom, it's, again, it's power that's kept under control. It's power that is used in the right way. A person who is wise through faith in Jesus Christ has been given great power. And the Lord gives us wisdom so we know what to do with that power, so that we're not using uh, the power that we've been given by the Lord in ways that aren't godly. And our good conduct is, is how we show those works, uh, you know, the meekness of wisdom. So when you hear the word meek in the Bible, when you see it described, when you see it referenced, remember that it's, it's this concept of power that's under control. Again, I come back to that illustration of that bear. That bear could have easily destroyed its, uh, its caregiver, but it didn't. It didn't do that. It had power, but it was staying under control. And that's, that's what Scripture is referring to when it's speaking about meekness. So, so wisdom the the meekness of wisdom, it looks like power under control. Well, let's jump into the next section here. When you look at verses 14 through 16, it demonstrates something else about godly wisdom. And there it specifically reveals to us that godly wisdom contrasts demonic aspirations. I don't know how much time you spend thinking about the spirit world, how much time you think about what's going on in, in uh, the realms of you know the angels and the demons, things that we can't typically visibly see with our eyes. But James tells us when we get into verses 14, 15, and 16 that godly wisdom, that it's a very stark contrast with the aspirations, with the goals, with the desires of the demonic. Let me read what he says here, and uh, maybe in a few minutes we can interact with that when we get into our, our discussion time. But he says this, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. 
For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So that's what James describes here as he's making this contrast. He's contrasting godly wisdom with demonic aspirations. And he starts off the sentence in verse 14 of James 3. He starts it off by saying, If you have bitter jealousy, and if you have selfish ambition, do not boast and be false to the truth. So he's encouraging the reader of these words to do some introspection. And again, I think by nature, we tend to think maybe more highly of ourselves than we really should. And, um, and, and so when you look at, you know, how he's saying, all right, um, you know, do you think you're wise? Do you think you're understanding how he said that in verse 13? Well, here he's saying, all right, think about yourself a little bit more deeply. You know, go get to the heart of the matter. Think about what's going on in your life. Do you wrestle with bitter jealousy? Are you struggling with selfish ambition? If that's the case, don't boast and don't lie about it. You know, don't be false to the truth. Don't boast. Don't be false to the truth. Admit it. And um, and one of the things that I, I think is amazing when uh, we're wrestling with areas like that or when we're wrestling with sin, when we're struggling with different areas, if you expose it to the light, it loses its power over you. So if you're struggling with bitter jealousy and yet you take a moment to confess that to the Lord and confess that to a brother or sister in Christ, you're robbing that bitter jealousy of its power because it can't operate the same way in the light. Uh, if you're struggling with selfish ambition and you confess that to a brother and sister in Christ, or if you confess that over to the Lord, you're bringing it out into the light. You're robbing it of its power. And here you have James encouraging us not to lie about that. If that's something that we're struggling with, don't lie about it. Just admit it so it doesn't continue to have power over you. And he's saying that things like bitter jealousy and selfish ambition are not the wisdom of God. Those are things that are not from God. Uh, The way he says it here, he says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. So he's saying things that look like bitter jealousy, things that look like selfish ambition— those, do, those are not uh, things that the Lord gives to a person. The Lord doesn't give us bitter jealousy. The Lord doesn't give us selfish ambition. He displays something very different in and of himself, and he gives us something else other than bitterness or selfishness. He's saying this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. And so you have James exposing where it actually does come from. He says three things, and notice the progression here, because he's building one upon the other. He says, but is earthly. So he's saying bitterness, uh, you know, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition. He's saying that's earthly. And then he says it's unspiritual, meaning that it's the opposite of the maturity in the spirit realm that the Lord wants us to have, the spiritual maturity the Lord wants us to have. He's saying jealousy and selfishness are the opposite of that. And he also tells us that it's demonic that Satan himself and the minions of of um, of demons that align with Satan are actually trying to work against humanity to cause us to experience bitter jealousy and to cause us to be selfish in our ambitions. And because ultimately what that does is that reflects the priorities of Satan. And so demons certainly try to interact with humanity, and they try to influence people in negative ways and ungodly ways. And James is calling that out here. He's addressing that. And he's saying, listen, the fruit of a godly life, it displays itself in in meekness, power that's kept under control. But the fruit of bitter jealousy, the fruit of selfish ambition, 
all it's not wisdom from above. It's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic, and you want to admit that. You want to expose that so it doesn't continue to have power over you. And in fact, he tells us the consequences of that when you get into verse 16. He says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Scripture reveals to us that the Lord values order, that he's a God of order. That's actually something that comes up um, when uh, when instructions are given to the church on how the church is to operate and how the church is to to uh, exist. We're, you know, we're told that since God is a God of order, when we meet together for worship, our worship services should be orderly because that reflects the heart of God. But here we're told that jealousy and selfish ambition go against the heart of God. They actually promote disorder. They promote chaos. They promote conflict. And then James says, an every vile practice. And when you think about that, he uses a very broad term here as the Holy Spirit inspires him to use that particular phrase, because he's saying all sorts of vile practices can come out of bitter jealousy. All sorts of vile practices can come out of selfish ambition. There's all sorts of things that we could list and that we could say, that we would say are are the net effect of jealousy and selfish ambition. But I, I'm going to throw, and I know that it's not our discussion time yet, but I'm just going to throw the, something out there for you to wrestle with in, in just a moment, and that's this. Here we're told that jealousy and, and selfish ambition are not things that the Lord wants us to see in, his, in our lives. But one of the ways that he describes himself is he, he speaks of himself as being a jealous God. So I used to wonder about that. I remember as a as a young person really wrestling with that. I thought, why does God call himself jealous? But yet elsewhere in Scripture, he seems to indicate that he doesn't want me to be a jealous person. He doesn't want me to be somebody that practices, like it says here, bitter jealousy. Uh, but yet God refers to himself as a jealous God. Um, you know, I, I wonder if any of you have ever even thought about that or even considered that. Um, I'll, I'll just give you a quick thought related to that. And if we want to bring that up again in a few minutes, when we open the mics for discussion, we can certainly talk about it. But when the Lord's calling himself jealous, he's saying that he's possessive of what, of what actually belongs to him. He's possessive of something that, uh, that, that actually is his. And so for him to be jealous over his people, that there's nothing wrong with that. He's saying, these are my people. They belong to me. I'm not willing to share them with the evil one. I am possessive of my people. I, I protect them. They belong to me. I'm not willing to share them with Satan. I'm not willing to share them with demonic influence. I'm jealous in that respect, the Lord, the Lord brings up in Scripture. Here with us, when we're talking about bitter jealousy, it's usually because we're getting covetous about something that doesn't belong to us, or we're seeing somebody else blessed in a way that we want to be blessed, and because we're not being blessed in the ways that they're being blessed, we covet their blessing, or we covet what they have, and we want it for ourselves at their expense. And so that's the contrast between what the Lord is up to and, and how he operates by nature and how we tend to operate when we give in to sinfulness. Godly wisdom contrasts demonic aspirations. Well, James goes on in verse 17 to bring something else up about godly wisdom. And he tells us there, and he's speaking in a positive way, that godly wisdom demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit. 
Now, if you're familiar with the, the fruit of the Spirit, it's brought up in the book of Galatians chapter 5. And godly wisdom demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit. Look at what James says in uh, chapter 3, verse 17 here. He says, he says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, and sincere. So he's painting a very beautiful picture of the wisdom of God, and that really is a contrast to the things that were said to us when we were looking at, at James 3.16, because there in James 3.16, it told us that where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Disorder and every vile practice. But when we get into verse 17 here, we're told that the wisdom from above is beautiful, and it's constructive, and it demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit. We're told that it's pure, so it's not it's not um, inundated with wickedness. It's pure. It's peaceable, meaning that it, it facilitates reconciliation. It facilitates resting in Christ. It facilitates genuine trust if it's peaceable. We're told that it's gentle, so it's not needlessly abrasive. It's not cutting somebody else down. It's not trying to hurt somebody. It's trying to be edifying to others. We're told that it's open to reason. So it's highlighting truth. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's willing to put somebody else first. It's willing to emphasize what's accurate. It's open to reason. We're also told that it's full of mercy. So when it comes to mercy, we know that, that that when Scripture brings up the concept of mercy, mercy is the idea of me deserving punishment from God, but God saying, I'm not going to, to show you punishment. I'm, I'm not going to give you the punishment you deserve. Instead, he shows us mercy by not giving us the punishment he deserves. Rather, that punishment or that, that we deserve. Sorry, I said that wrong. He doesn't give us the punishment we deserve because he shows us his mercy because Jesus Christ took the punishment that we deserved upon himself at the cross. So the wisdom of God is full of mercy, and it's full of good fruits. You know, the type of things that, that edify, the type of things that build people up. It's impartial. So it's not, it's not making judgment calls based on worldly standards. It's sincere, meaning that it's, that it's completely true. I don't know if you've heard uh, about the origin of the word sincere. It actually uh, comes from a phrase that means without wax. And, um, you know, the, the way it's phrased um, in, um, in Greek, I believe it's phrased sinisera. Uh, those of you that are Greek experts can correct me if I'm saying that incorrectly. Um, but the idea is that they would take pottery back in the day, and uh, if the pottery had cracks in it, sometimes they'd fill those cracks with wax and then try to sell the cracked pottery as if it was still perfectly fine. But you would hold that pottery up to the light, and you could see if there was wax filling in cracks because the sunlight would come through it, and they could tell if the pottery was sincere or not, if it was sinisera without wax or if it had wax. So if it had wax, you could tell you were getting a piece of, of pottery that was compromised and wasn't going to be as good of a vessel as something that had not experienced cracks. And so that's what we're called to be as believers in Jesus Christ. We're called to be sincere, meaning that if you hold us up to the light, 
ultimately what we demonstrate and display is the fact that Christ is Lord of our life, and we're living in the truth, that the good fruit that the Holy Spirit prompts in the life of every believer is present, that we're peaceable, that we're gentle, that we're open to reason, that the wisdom of God is actively at work within us. And James says that the wisdom of God is impartial, and the wisdom of God is sincere, without wax, sinisera. Um, in, uh, in James 3.18, and this is the last part we're going to look at here, the last verse of James chapter 3, we see one more thing about the wisdom from above, and that's this idea of the fact that peacemakers are doing the work of the Lord. Peacemakers are doing the work of the Lord. I love how James ends this chapter. He says, "...and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace." A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Isn't that a beautiful thought? A beautiful, um, just a beautiful concept. The fact that the Lord facilitates a harvest of righteousness through his people. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Peacemakers are doing the work of the Lord. When you look uh, over the course of the Lord's earthly ministry, when you look at what the Lord's been doing throughout the course of, of human history, What's he doing? You know, he, he's ultimately taking people who were lost in chaos, lost in sin, and he's offering the peace that only he can supply. And he seems to desire to promote that peace among us, and he invites us to be peacemakers as he is a peacemaker. And so you have James here saying, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we're encouraged in that making peace portion here to be Christ-like in every way, because Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, facilitates his peace within our hearts. We're told in Scripture that the peace of Christ will guard our hearts and, and guard our minds, and we're to be the type of people who promote peace. We sow a harvest of righteousness in peace by promoting it. And uh, James here basically is revealing to us that peacemakers are doing the work of the Lord. We're doing what we have seen the Lord do for us. Now, in just a moment, I want to discuss these things. We're going to be talking about this idea of, of you know, just ultimately, uh, what does it look like to apply the wisdom from above? I will say this, those of you that are listening to the recording of our training session tonight, uh, I'd invite you to stop by either my main website, which is desirejesus.com, and you'll be able to find a bunch of resources there that I hope you'll find useful for your growth in Christ. Or if you'd like to learn a little bit more about the Healthy Discipleship Community, you can just go to healthydiscipleshipcommunity.com. Now, I'm going to open up the, the mics here in just a second. I'm going to bring my screen share down, and let's see who we have on the call with us this evening. It's good to see everybody. Um, I have a starter question here for us, and uh, and that's this. James here, he speaks of the meekness of wisdom in verse 13. And uh, if you recall, when I was talking about verse 13, I, I, I used that illustration of that grizzly bear that was being uh, cared for by that caretaker and how it wasn't acting aggressive, even though it had the power to do so. So my question related to the meekness of wisdom, as it's, as it's mentioned in verse 13, how is the meekness of wisdom, in your opinion, how is the meekness of wisdom perfectly displayed in Jesus Christ? Anyone have an, an opinion about that? Give us a thought on that. How is the meekness of wisdom perfectly displayed 
in Jesus Christ. I'm going to call on Desha for starters. Desha, can I just uh, jump right to you? She's like, wait, you don't normally do that. I just feel like I'm going to do that. It looks like your internet connection is behaving this week. And last week it was, it was, uh, it wasn't cooperating. So, so tell us like, what do you see in Jesus that, that might display to you the meekness of wisdom? Do you have any thoughts on that? Now I don't hear you for some reason. I wonder why. Am I the only one that does not hear Desha? You guys don't hear either? Nope. Okay, Desha, try one more time. Let's see. You might be uh, off the hook. You might not have to answer the question if we can't hear you. (laughs) No, I still don't hear you. All right, see if you can figure it out because I'm glad you're here and I want to hear some of your thoughts. Um, All right, Um, right, Steve, let, let me pick on you. Do you have an opinion on this? What do you think? How is how is uh, the meekness of wisdom perfectly displayed in Jesus Christ? What do you think? So all I have to do is mute this, and I don't answer. I like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? So you know, I think um, if you look at what you what you talked about with grace, if we really got what we deserved and what God is capable of doing, you know, to in His full power. Um, we'd be, I think, in some in pretty bad shape, like with the bear with like the bear with the trainer. But he doesn't though. You know, he shows us grace and uh, you know, re- repeatedly prompts us, pushes us to the right path. Um could he do more with his power? Absolutely. Um and I think, you know, all of us, you know, are grateful that um uh, that he doesn't show that power uh, the way he could. Right. Yeah, that he that he chooses to to uh, keep that under control like he does. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Desha, I saw I saw your message there. Do you want to chime in there too? Can you Let's hear me hear now? It. Yes, we hear you. All I right, speak, success. I had to talk to my speaker that's over there, so uh-huh. I had to turn the speaker off. So I'm talking directly to the computer now. All right. <laughs> Let's so, hear. It. Um, what do you think? Did you first, did you get to hear Stephen's answer? By the way, did you get not to hear what all he of said? it? No, not all of it. All you right, want to recap it quick. Or oh, well, he was he just he it it's uh, he he uh, was basically saying you know that we should be glad that the Lord is showing us the mercy that He shows us because um, ultimately you know I mean when the, the greatest power that exists uh, uh, shows us mercy I mean that's it's uh, something that we should be certainly grateful for and so. Um, so what else would you add to that or any insights on that yourself? Actually, what immediately came to mind when you mentioned that was the passage where they they told, everybody told, oh, you're frozen. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, you're not frozen. You were just that still. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what you mean, Desha. <laughs> um. You were, you were blurred, you blurred for a minute when you were talking. So I'm hoping that we're okay. (laughs) You're really good. (laughs) It's too much. God bless you, Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she has to put up with this all the time. All right, go ahead. Give a real answer to us. (laughs) The passage that came to mind was when the people that were watching everything said, why don't you get yourself out of this? And he followed through with everything. I can't remember yeah. the exact wording and which passage it is in the Bible, but are, are you thinking about like at, at the cross, you know, yeah. like he, he healed others. Why doesn't he, you know, why yes, does he take care of this himself? One. That sort of thing. Yeah. And to me, it was, um, he's so powerful yet. He didn't use it for himself. Um, he used it first of all, to follow through with what God had planned for him. And he used his, 
the the power humbly to help others and not for the recognition, but um, to truly help another for God's purpose and his glory. That's what came to mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a selflessness, you know, that like a, like a selflessness toward others. What do you think, Paul? I see you're, you're unmuted. What do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, um, and I don't know what part of scripture, but I do know, I believe it was when uh, he was standing before Pontius Pilate and uh, he, and Jesus said, you know, didn't you, don't you know that if I wanted to, I could count, I could, uh, I could command my legion of angels to come down and, and protect me. And uh, then uh, when he was tempted in the desert, uh, that the devil tempted him with the idea of, you know, throw yourself down and they, you'll be caught, you'll, you'll, they'll catch you. And then uh, he said, you know, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Right. So uh, that I think that's, a, you know, Jesus, that's God showing his, uh, the, the wisdom of his, uh, uh, of his uh, gentleness. Yeah. Yeah, the the power under control, the meekness, right? And so I I think it's just I mean the phrase the the word meek and meekness it gets such a bad rap because we don't it just rhymes it because it rhymes with weak. So somehow we think that it's talking about the same thing. It's not talking about the same thing at all. Meekness is is power that's kept under control. Gives you a different picture, I think, too, of the beatitudes when Jesus says that the meek shall inherit the earth. Oh yeah. Because now the meek, it's it's a different perspective this way. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not those that are trying to gain the earth by force, right? We're you know it's you're not trying to gain the, this earth by overpowering somebody else. You're 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 keeping that power under control and trusting the Lord to do His work and uh, not trying to usurp Him. Yeah, it's a good example. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on that? There doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, just looking around. Yeah, Don, go for it. I think that uh, his wisdom and meekness would be when he was completely surrendered to the will of the Father, like in Gethsemane, when, sure. you know, if this cup could be taken. But uh, what he did was everything that the Father asked of him, he was complete, complete obedience, which also has a bad, you know, or well, maybe a negative uh, thing you don't think about uh, obedience being something that uh, is great to do, but in you know in God's economy that's really what we you know what we need to have. And Jesus uh, modeled that perfectly. He did everything that he was called to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fulfilling fulfilling that calling, fulfilling that mission, all that was prophesied, fulfilling you know the scripture describes fulfilling all righteousness. Uh, you know, on our behalf. Awesome. All right. Here, here's another question. It's kind of a two-parter. Um, but ha- so I'll give you the first part here and I'll save the second part. So we'll treat it like it's two separate questions. But how does worldliness contribute to disorder and vile practices? If you remember, when we were looking at verses 14 to 16. We were talking about the, the fact that worldliness or uh, an unspiritual mindset or a demonic mindset contributes to disorder and vile practices. A- any opinions on that? How does worldliness contribute to disorder and vile practices? Who oh. wants to jump on that one? Yeah, go ahead, Stephen. So if you look at, you know, in recent months, um, some of the rioting that has happened, hmm. um, you know, the worldliness of what they're, you know, they're 
and I and I should maybe say looting instead. So what they're doing is, you know, they're they're stealing and destroying things, um, and that right there, you know, show you know, and obviously you look at that, you look at the images on TV. There's nothing but chaos and disorder in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's fueling that? That's you know, that's their selfish desires for stuff. You know, I want this TV, I want these sneakers, whatever it is, and you know, and to just you know, the rage that comes with that, um, you know, you, you can pin that all the way down, you know, each one of those three steps that James had there, um, from, you know, earthly views down to demonic, you can see those behaviors in that. And it all stems from the selfishness. And, and, uh, yeah. And so, and that's a good example of, um, how that can impact somebody else that you're just not caring about how you're impacting them. One of the saddest things that I saw um, in one of the, one of the early riots, uh, there was a, an older woman on TV uh, just weeping about it. And she said, you know, we've now destroyed the only grocery store we have in this town. She said we are in this part of her city. She said, I don't drive. I don't really have the ability to get around there was one grocery store and now it's completely destroyed and, and she was weeping trying to figure out now how, how do I, how do I get groceries? How do I get food now? And I don't think people think about that when they're smashing through windows or where they're destroying a building. I think they're just primarily, you know, I think some people are just thinking this is hilarious. This is fun. This is something where we usually don't get away with doing. And in her context there, she's weeping because now she has no place to easily buy food. And so you can see a selfishness there and even in even in something like that. How can we guard ourselves? So that's the, the second part. The second question I want to ask, how can we guard ourselves against uh, worldliness and, you know, contributing to disorder and vile practices? Yeah, Paul. Um, I would think uh, remaining centered on God. Um, in fact, I, I wanted to share with you, I thought it was interesting how God works things out. Um, I always, I, every day, uh, as part of the Mass I celebrate, instead of preaching a sermon, I do on Sundays. But during the week, I like to, uh, and I use this this booklet, One Bread, One Body. Uh, it has meditations that are best based on the Scripture. And I just wanted to share with you, because today's reading reflects a lot of what we've been talking about. Uh, and uh, the Scripture citation is from Titus. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, chapter two, verses eleven and twelve, and Titus is is a is a pastoral to Titus, right, uh, to talk about ministry, right? How we should carry themselves, and this and it, the the meditation is called pastor eyes, mm-hmm. pastor eyes, right? But the the um the the citation, the portion of scripture says, the grace of God has appeared, offering salvation to all men. It trains us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and live temperately, justly, and devoutly in this age. Mm-hmm. This age. So I, 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 it, it's talking about centeredness, being centered on God. Uh, half of the evil that happens in this world, half, all of the evil <laughs> that happens in this world certainly wouldn't be there if we were more centered on God. And, and it's the evil that appears even in the church. Uh, there is there are some te- terrible things. I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but there was an announcement that came on TV about a, a let's say a sister 
jurisdiction and, and uh, you know, the terribleness that, that has happened there. Um, that's because we're not centered on God. When we're centered on ourselves and uh, it's all about us, it shouldn't be all about us. It should be all about God. So I would say uh, the way you, you deal with that is you keep yourself centered on God. So instead of instead of focusing on you know how can I satisfy the cravings of of my my sinful nature I I should focus on you know what does the Lord what does the Lord desire for me what is His ambition what is what's His goal you know keep my mind centered on on uh, who He is and how He operates in our lives yeah yeah I mean and this is something even for us as as believers in Jesus Christ we need to guard ourselves against worldliness don't we. Because, you know, Paul, even as you mentioned there, sometimes worldliness creeps into the church. You know, it, I'm, and we don't always catch it right away. We don't always catch it. It's not always something that is very obvious to us. Sometimes it's not obvious to us at first until it starts to have its effect. Some, some, excuse me. Some of us that are uh, in the Episcopacy, you know, we, uh, one line I, always, I, I use a lot is, uh, Again, we we wear that that hat that we wear during liturgical services is called a mitre, and um, uh, you know for, we have to keep centered on God because the the line is uh, the putting on the mitre constricts the flow of blood to the brain. <laughs> so you're not you know you're so into yourself that you're not thinking correctly anymore. <laughs> so you always have to be centered on God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In every context, even even uh, even when we're you know a- attempting to do work in His name, you know we can end up uh, attempting to do work in His name, but yet become so full of ourselves that we're we're not focused on Him at all. All right, let me let me uh, let me uh, kind of work our way through to the next section of the scripture here. And uh, when we got into verse seventeen, we were talking about the wisdom of God in relation to the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're familiar with with Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5 lists out the fruit of the spirit. Um I you know I can it, anyone know them offhand? I know them offhand. You know there's children's songs. Uh I see some of you shaking your head, you know. All right, let's see if I get them if I get them right. I'm not reading so it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Did I get that in right right order? Did I skip any? All right, I'm getting thumbs up. All right. I did okay. All right. I promise you I didn't have the list in front of me. So you'll have to trust me because you can't really tell if I'm I'm telling you the truth, but I promise you I'm telling you the truth. Um All right. So how does the wisdom of God work together with the fruit of the spirit? You know, what do you think? I mean, or maybe we could even say it this way, how is the wisdom of God promoting the fruit of the spirit or highlighting the fruit of the spirit? Any thoughts or opinions on that? Yeah, go ahead. Isn't that the way we tap into the wisdom of God through the Spirit, which then gives us the fruits of the Spirit? Yeah, that's a good point, right? I mean, uh, you know, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit, He actively points us in the direction of truth. He's counseling us, He's guiding us, He's teaching us, He's revealing the Scriptures to us, you know, illuminating them to us so that they make sense to us. Um, Yeah. So that that's a good point, you know. Even even just the idea of accessing the wisdom of God through the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, any other thoughts on how the wisdom of God works together with the fruit of the Spirit that stand out to anyone else? Well, I think in 
their, you know, the wisdom of God and, and the worldliness are in direct opposition, directly, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, completely opposite ends of the spectrum there. And so, you know, the, the carry out of that is then, you know, like the godliness shows in the work of the Holy spirit manifest itself in us, um, being loving, joyful, kind, you know, gentle, good, you know, like it, it starts to, to show itself in, in that way, which is, uh, in pretty stark, uh, contrast to what the world shows us on a daily basis. Yeah. 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 You could see, you know, the, the Lord showing us his hand at work in that contrast that he's making. I mean, you can even see the wisdom of God being demonstrated there and how he reveals himself to people through the type of character change that he's producing in us. He, isn't he demonstrating that? Yeah. What do you think, Desha? I was going along with what you just mentioned. I was thinking about how um, how the wisdom of God, it took me a minute to get that, but how the wisdom of God works through the fruits of the spirit. Um, as we are growing in our faith and able to practice these with other people, um, first of all, I think it just grows stronger in us. And also when we're practicing it toward other people, sincerely, um, we don't know how God's working in someone's life to bring them to Christ. And it's so, and like was mentioned, it's so opposite of what the world, how the world acts and thinks. And I I'm, I'm living it with my part-time job right now. And it's very frustrating at times. Um, because of, I mean, I'll get into this some other time, but it's just very frustrating at times to hear the the worldly perspective versus the perspective from that love and gentleness and patience and kindness toward mm-hmm. people that have no idea um, they've had a hard past or whatever it is. And it's so easy to want to be abrasive toward them. And it's not fair to them. You know, God's sitting there waiting patiently for them, just like he does for all of us. Right. So we might be part of the only, I hate to be cliche, but we might be the only Bible that those people see right now. Mm-hmm. And that might, that wisdom hopefully shows through us to help these people in whatever way they need at that moment. Christ is meeting us where we are. We can meet others where they are with the help of the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. That makes yeah. Sense. It's a, it, it could be a, like a form of um, evangelism and outreach, a demonstration of, of how following the Lord is better than the old life that, you know, the worldliness, the unspiritual, the demonic that we used to gravitate toward. Yeah, that's good, Desha. Thank you. A- any other thoughts on that? No, I, I think um, sometimes when you look at as, you know, you have several children like I do, you know, teenagers at that also. Yep. And <laughs> pray for me. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, there is a lot of room in parenting. <laughs> to <laughs> to show the fruits of the spirit, um, and there's yeah. also a lot of room in parenting to show the exact opposites of that of that fruit, also. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, yeah. recently I had a child uh, of mine, you know, disappoint me in something that he's done, and um, I approached him about it, no screaming or yelling, you know, just really sat down and tried to point out scriptures with him, and he said to me after he just said, Dad. I thought you were going to kill me. Uh, and I, now I don't think you meant that. Uh, you Did know, you say to uh, him, well, well, I still might. It just depends <laughs> on how this conversation resolves. Yes, yes, yes. There you go. Yeah. But 
it goes to if if you if if I would have come off of abrasive, he would have never have listened to any scripture yeah. that I could have given him. And um, you know, and as a parent, I always go back and I question myself, you know, because I, as far as I'm concerned, bad fruit um, bad fruit doesn't come from the tree. And yeah. so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what have I done as a parent, you know, to help foster that behavior or anything like that, you know? And so, you know, and, and I think if we are, you know, if we're going back to scripture with what we're thinking, you know, trying to challenge ourselves with, um, you know, and you're, and we're looking at those fruits of the spirit, you know, where am I lacking in those? And if I am, you know, how am I going to, you know, help my children and, and uh, you know, get through that themselves. So. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good example too. a good practical example of how uh, the fruit of the spirit um, can, you know, display the wisdom of God, even in the home. Um, I have one final question for us tonight. And I'd be very curious to hear your, your thoughts on this. Why do you suppose the Lord encourages us to be wise peacemakers. So when we looked at at verse 18 there of, of uh, James chapter 3, uh, it's just yet one of many verses in Scripture that encourage us to be peacemakers. So why do you suppose the Lord encourages us to be wise peacemakers? Because that, that was mentioned to us there in a chapter or a portion of a chapter that's speaking all about the wisdom from above. And in that wisdom, one of the applications of this is that we would be people who promote peace, that we would be peacemakers. Why does that matter so much to the Lord? Why is the Lord encouraging you specifically and me specifically to be wise peacemakers? Does that does that strike anyone a particular way? Does that kind of hit your ear a particular way or even make you a little bit curious about that? What do you think, Don? I, I think why it's so important, and I feel this in my life personally, is that because it's easy to be or to fall into being a peacekeeper and not a peacemaker, like avoiding conflict at all costs with, uh, you know, with people in the church, with people in your family, as opposed to a peacemaker. Sometimes there's, there's a little bit of conflict that needs to be taken care of or dealt with or gone through in order for peace to actually happen. Uh, and I think our humanness, we tend to want to be, you know, peacekeepers. Some people, not myself, I don't avoid conflict. I actually like the fray, but uh, from what I'm starting to understand from other people, there's a, there's a desire in us as humans to avoid conflict, to not rock the boat and, uh, and considering that to be like keeping the peace, but it's not really being a peacemaker. I think there's a difference. And I think that's what wise peacekeeping or wise peacemaking is different than being a peacekeeper and keeping the peace. Yeah, I don't know if you see uh, if you if the discussion is showing up on your screen there, the discussion side there, the chat. But Andrea commented, "That's a great distinction: peacekeeper versus peacemaker. Big distinction." Andrea, comment on that. Why, why did Don making that distinction stand out to you like that? Um, I think probably because sometimes I struggle with you know, the idea of, um, sometimes the fastest way to peace is to let things stay the way they are. And that's not always the best. 
Um, Do you think that's like a false piece? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it is, it's just, it's ignoring, you know, it's the same as like um, the concept of saying you're not going to approach someone because uh, about something that's harmful to them because you want to show them love as if like showing them love is as if like to, to say something in a corrective way would be judgmental. Therefore it's not loving. And, you know, like, I think we have misdefined some of these words. And so the idea of like peace, sometimes we just meet in our heads, it just means the absence of conflict, which would be peacekeeping as opposed to peacemaking, which is actually the, the genuine peace. And so like I, it just stood out to me. Reconciliation, rest, all right, of those things. It just stood Trust. out to me as a really good distinction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some, some other thoughts on that. Why, why do you suppose the Lord encourages us to be wise peacemakers? I also think he encourages us to do that because again, it's in such opposition to um, the way of the world. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Paul. Yeah, I, I was just going to point out that it depends on, you know, translations. I, I don't know which one, which, uh, translation you work with but usually uh, the, the esv i usually use the, the english standard version okay well in the nrsv uh-huh. uh, that same that same line translates and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those for those who make peace and that's interesting too because um in my experience uh, i i have had the opportunity to meet uh peacemakers mm-hmm. uh, and it's amazing how peaceful they are uh, is that and and I think that the, the peace that is that that is being shared with others is reflexive it comes back to you as well and it, you you have a greater sense of peace in your own life because of the peace that you're sowing for others oh yeah I, I definitely agree with that yeah where you, it becomes the culture of your life as you just try to take what the Lord has invested in you and then you invest it in others. You know, you, you receive it and you give it. You receive it and give it. Yeah, it becomes the pattern. It becomes the culture of your life. Yeah, I think as it becomes a culture of your life, it could also become the culture of your household. I think, you know, even in your context there and several others here that are in, in forms of church leadership, um, it, it can become the culture of the local church. You know, if the most visible leaders are trying to demonstrate that. Um, and I, I also think that uh, when you see that, it's reflected, too, in Scripture. Uh, if you think about uh, uh, when Jonah went to, to Nineveh and everybody, they, they realized uh, their sinful ways. They put on sackcloth and ashes. They repented. And, you know, and Jonah wasn't the most peaceful of guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but some of that. Uh, we hope rubbed off on him. Uh, that looked like it did much from scripture. He was a very reluctant prophet, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I find that I find that uh, when when we submit, when or you know, let go, let God, uh, that that peace, that peace which passes all understanding, yeah, that comes upon you. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Well, any any final thoughts or insights before we? Uh, finish up our time together tonight. Yeah, Stephen. Yeah, just one thing about uh, the Lord's jealousy. 
And um, oh yeah, you, you had mentioned earlier, and I kind of liken it to my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm jealous for my wife. You know, I don't want anybody else flirting with her, or you know, or you know, or make, making any moves on her, or you know, and you know, and, and the same thing with her with me. You know, um, right. she knows I'm six hours away tonight. You know, in a hotel room, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and as as a woman, you know, she's she may wonder, you know, but, at the, you know, you know, is he going to be faithful or whatever it is, you know, for me. But, um, you know, I think that um, we're jealous for each other for a reason. Um, and um, she, you know, she certainly trusts me and I trust her. And and I think that's that's a good thing that we are, you know, we want that, you know, that, you know, like with you and Andrea, uh, you know, I, um, you know, you, you don't want anybody coming in the church saying, who's that cute lady over there at the kids, you know? <laughs> right. Right. So they they might, they might die. So yes, 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 exactly. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. So I don't know if I'd be called a peacemaker in that moment. (laughs) Oh, well, wonderful. So that's the note, Stephen. That's the note we're going to be ending tonight's training on here. Unless somebody else has another comment. Anyone else have another thought? All right. Well, wonderful. Well, I'm, I'm always glad that you guys jump on here. Our next our next uh, get-together will be in two weeks. So that's going to be on November. What would that be? That's November 24th. So if that works out for us, that's a few days before Thanksgiving, November 24th. And we're going to pick up at James chapter 4. So those of you that are listening to the podcast, to the recording, if you want to jump on board with us on November 24th, just get on my email list. You can get on my email list at desirejesus.com, and I'll be sure to send out the link to be able to join us for the call on November 24th, and we'll be jumping into James chapter 4 that evening. Well, again, wonderful to have everybody on here, and uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful evening, and I look forward to getting together with you guys again in two weeks. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.